Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and a special welcome to the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Well, have you ever wondered how your DNA cousins from another country feel about matching you? What questions would they have for you? Or for that matter, what questions would you ask them? Well, tonight's show will explore what it means for an African to discover her African-American cousins and the questions that she has for them. Ida, Ida Brown will explore as an African why she tested her DNA, and the questions raised after identifying the many people who share her DNA outside the continent of Africa. Ida is a native of Cameroon whose family moved to the United States in 1975. She is the third child of the current chief of Ingua, located in Ingua, subdivision of Cameroon. She has dedicated her life to promoting Africa. And she has organized trips to Cameroon with African Americans who trace their DNA to Cameroon. In 2020, she launched Roots to Glory, a company dedicated to bridging the gap between the United States and Africa. She is currently a board member of the Bunch Island Coalition USA, the All Cameroonian Cultural Development Foundation, as well as a member of the Advisory Committee of the Smithsonian National Museum of African Art. So let me give a warm welcome to Ada. Idaho Brown to research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Ada. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, let's just start at the beginning because you Mm -hmm. have had your DNA tested. So tell us, why did you decide to test your DNA? 
Well, several reasons. Uh, one of the reasons I decided to test was because I work with so many people that go through that journey, and they tell me all the time that, you know, we just want more Africans to test so that we're able to find out if we have matches. So I said, you know what, I'm helping them get to the continent. I can certainly help them in finding more answers about their DNA and their matches and their ancestry. So I decided to go ahead and take the test. Um, and another and reason so, why I wanted to yes, know myself. You wanted to know yourself. Yes. So what did I you just, discover about your DNA? Oh. <laughs> First of all, it is not it is not a um an easy journey. Uh that's one thing. Um because I thought as an African that I was going to be able to handle this process because I mean what what could happen? I mean, you know, I'm African, I'm Cameroonian. So I thought, okay, you know, I take this test, it's gonna say I'm Cameroonian. Well right. I got the test in the mail <laughs> and it did not I mean it said I was Cameroonian, but it said so many other things and then it just sparked so many emotions and uh you know, it was uh an incredible feeling. So um i you know my my uh my results uh were eighty four percent cameroonian congo uh eighteen uh, i'm sorry eleven percent nigerian um ivory coast ghana two percent uh benin togo two percent and mali one percent and it it kind of got me a little emotional because then I thought, okay, how how did my people end up all the way in Mali? Um, but, you know, knowing the migration of, of my people, especially the Bamile case, uh, we came from the east, we came from Egypt, and we're sort of the, we are the Hebrew of, um, of you know, of Africa. And so I understood that, okay, we would have been somehow close to Nigeria because Cameroon and Nigeria you know, we share so many similarities in our people, the Igbos and the Bamlikes. And I thought, okay, you know, I can kind of understand Benin, Togo also because, you know, Nigeria is is kind of like Benin. And, you know, so I'm just trying to justify everything and try to understand everything. And, 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 I, and I catch myself thinking, oh, my goodness, I've had this question so many times from different people. How is it that I find out that my DNA is so in so many different places. And it is. It's, you know, because we as people, we uh, migrated, we moved, I mean, in great numbers, in, um, you know, to the West from the East. And so it, it makes sense that the DNA would be what it was. It just was a little bit hard to swallow because, uh, you know, as you know, Africa was colonized by so many different countries and so we have kind of gotten in our heads this mentality this colonial mentality that the country that we're in is our country our people are our people and everybody that's not in our country is not our people we're not related to them but you know as as a a, a researcher and somebody that's passionate about Africa I know that that's not true. I know that they separated our countries based on what they thought was the line for what they wanted, you know, the great divide, but they didn't separate the people. 
So the people are still where they kind of were, um, but they're separated by some languages and, and that sort of thing. But we are, we, we Africans had such um, huge, we covered such huge space, and each cluster was a different um, ethnic group. Each cluster had its own culture and tradition and history, um, but there was a mass exodus of people that left the East to the West that we all share kind of some some of that. And so it kind of got me thinking about, you know, some of the answers that I've given over the years to people about um, migration and then he- seeing my results and thinking, okay, you know, I have uh, 2% Ivory Coast Ghana. I, I I've always admired the country of Ghana, but never thought that my DNA would be found um, in that area. But now that I think about it, I think, you know, that means that my people left the cluster in Cameroon and headed west to explore more. And so, you know, that was fine because when I found out my DNA results, I was in bed looking at my telephone, as we sometimes do, and I got the results, but I hadn't gone on the um, Ancestry uh, database to find out if I had any matches until the following day. I thought, okay, let me go look, look at it again, look at it extensively. And I did. I, I was shocked. I was, I was speechless when I found that I had two fourth cousins and I had at least four pages of fifth to ninth cousins. And then it got me really sad because I'm thinking, how could I have stopped this forced migration of my people that share my DNA to the Americas? If I had been there, would I have been able to take care of them so that they would not have been captured? I mean, just so many emotions came to me. And I mean, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it because it's it's a very difficult thing to swallow that, yes, you're African, but you know what? Your DNA, that means your people travel through Africa. We're looking for a better place to hide, to, to, um, to find peace. And instead, what they found was, you know, this uh, tragedy. Right, and I can you know I can hear the emotions in your voice because it it is I, I can imagine a little shocking to take your DNA and then to find four pages of matches and two fourth cousins. Yeah. I right. mean that that's really uh, that's really an emotional uh, feeling. Uh, but kind of where do you take that i mean talk talk a little bit more about the the, the feelings of of finding uh four pages of dna matches well um i have reached out to the two uh, that are fourth cousin matches and and it's interesting because i don't think that the person the first person that i that replied i don't think she got that i was african I think she thought that I was an American looking for answers because she is administering that information for somebody else looking for their father's line, for that person's father's line. 
And so I said to her, I said, okay, well, you know, as I as I reached out to her or to that person's, uh, you know, contact, I said, listen, you know, I'm I'm from Cameroon. Um, I would like to talk to you about how somehow we match because my feeling is now I want to know because I want to know who it could have been on my side. Um, so so here here I am sending her this message, and she sends me back that, okay, well, can you do you have a family tree up so that you can tell me, uh, so that we can know where the match is? And I said, oh, my goodness, uh, family tree. Well, um, so I answered, no, I, I'm from Africa, so it's going to be hard for me to do a family tree because, you know, uh, even though um, – you know, I kind of sort of know who my great-grands are. Um, it's a lot more difficult to put that information in in this system because, you know, it's just a little bit more difficult, and it's going to take more time. But I guess I should do it because it's important to know. Um, and, you know, as our parents get older, you know, the memory of that goes away, and there's not – a lot of records because you know my I was my father was born in a village where there were no records um, and his father was born in the village so unless the Germans who occupied our village at that time kept any birth and death records there's really not much except for you know verbally telling us who our grandparents were so it's a you know it's a gray area for us trying to figure that out but I feel like now I need to I need to have it for my kids so that they understand, you know, sort of the African side, um, that information. And and I don't know how it will be helpful for the Americans that I've reached out to, but I'm hoping that it will be. Right. Well, there's a question coming out of the chat, and this question is, what does kinship mean to you, and do you view the fourth to the eight cousins that you found with your DNA as kin? Um, well, look, in Africa, it's it. we are all about family. I mean, every, even the friends that, um, family friends are considered uncle or auntie. We don't have strangers in our community. Um, so to have, you know, these people now a part of, uh, our our life, my life, um, my family's life. Uh, it means a lot because, you know, like I said, we don't we don't have strangers. Um, we treat everybody like family, and we have huge huge families um, where I come from, and and my village in particular, um, because my dad is the chief. Most of the village is my family. So, um, I, you know, I say that I, I want to get to know the people here and and find out if we can figure out, you know, that information and um, see where we go from from here. I mean, I am open to, to um, you know, bringing our family together. Well, you know, you mentioned that you're the one person you reached out to wanted to know about your family tree. But what would you want to know about that person or your your matches? Like I said before, I want to know who it could have been that was taken from the continent. So that means that I want to know who their, what the lives of their 
ancestors were, their parents or grandparents were, um, so that I can find out, so that I can be at peace that perhaps, I don't even know, I, I really don't know. All I know is that I need to know. I really need to know. And and if if helping them find the answer is the way that we need to do it together, then that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You're joining a partnership to go on that journey yes. together. Right. But what exactly. do you, you know, what kind of expectation would you have of your your cousins as far as understanding uh, Africa and understanding your village? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I, I think about it and I think about the impact of the village to know that, you know, a princess from the village matches DNA of Americans, right? So yes. it's, 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 <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just, it just clicked on, uh, and, and just uh, dawned on me that the village is going to be excited to know this information. And I haven't even told my dad this information yet. So, it's it's um I I feel like it's my duty as as a child of of my my country and my village and my my ethnic group and my you know my um my family to make sure that our family knows who we are because I don't want anybody to to get these results and see me there and not not be able to reach out and say okay I want to know more and you know and not be able to give them that information i would love to take them all home so that they can sit in the village and we can talk stories and and then we can figure out what happened and i don't even know whether or not they came from cameroon they could have come from nigeria or benin or ivory coast or ghana or or mali i mean you know so it's this is kind of a a, a very interesting phenomenon for me but I would love to uh, be able to share some of the history of Cameroon, of my village, and to take them back home so that they can meet my dad and meet my family. Oh, wow. You know, when you talk about just share, it's it just seems like there's a disconnect when you when it comes to even understanding the continent of Africa and the various mm-hmm. countries of Africa, and it's it's part of the the disconnect as far as information that has transferred or has not transferred from Africa to to African Americans. So, is mm-hmm. there a place where or an opportunity for learning to take place to understand more about Africa? I I do uh, webinars all the time, and I have subjects, um, especially dealing with um, ethnic groups, because there is something to be said about knowing that you come from the Tikar or you come from the Fulani or you come from the Yoruba, but not understanding anything about what that means and the culture, mm-hmm. their history, you know, their traditions. So I try to provide that, uh, you know, with Roots to Glory tours. I mean, this is something that is essential to who we are to understand these things because once you understand, you know how, you know, the breakup of the the continent really doesn't make sense 
you know, you know that the Yorubas are everywhere. Um, the, the Fulanis are everywhere. Um, but what is, who are they really? I mean, what is their, their, their tradition? What are, what are some of the things that they're known for? Um, so when you start breaking down ethnic groups, and I think to me, um, when you talk about ethnic groups, people call it tribes, but ethnic groups, when you talk about ethnic groups, you talk about the true countries, not countries per se, but the true nations um, that had chiefs, kings, queens, whatever. Um, to me, that's more important than, you know, being from Chad or being from Sudan or being from Niger, Mali, Mauritania. All of that is not as important as you being from a particular group within a country because that group shares um, shares borders. I mean, the borders are, are not even in existence when you're talking about Yoruba, Benin, Nigeria, you know, and you're talking mm-hmm. about um, the Fon, or you're talking about the Ashanti. So it's just all of that becomes, you know, who we are and who our nations were. And then within the nation, there is a leader and there is, you know, there's our culture, there's our tradition. I remember last year when I was in Benin, and uh, I visited the uh, the king of Porto Novo, which is uh, the capital, really the capital of uh, Benin, even though Cotonou is the commercial capital, it is actually Porto Novo. And, um, and he said to us um, during, you know, our visit with him, there were a couple of his wives that came and and started singing. And he said to us, and and I had some people from Benin with me, and he said, ask them, do you know your song that represents your ethnic group? And they said, no. And he said, my homework to you is to learn that song and come back to me because that song represents who you are. That song represents your people. It's not the flags. It's not the the national anthem. Those are all European things. But it's the song that's in the village that people know and people understand. It's the markings that tell you, you know, you're from this particular group. That's who we were, and that's what I I try to convey to people that find out this information about who they are, what ethnic group they come from, is that you need to know that more than you need to know that it's bordered by X, Y, Z. And so we try to provide that in in uh, these webinars that we, we have uh, occasionally, especially during African um, Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a question coming out of the chat, and the mm-hmm. uh, guests would like to know, how have these reunions, you spoke of taking people to Cameroon, influenced the interactions among the African and African-American matches personally or with others you know? So are uh, you... So the question is, how have the reunions influenced um, the interactions? The I mean, in you've Africa, taken yes. What did you observe okay. when you so, took the the people from America on your your tour to the Cameroon? 
Well, the first trip that um, I went on uh, with a group of people, um, it was about 54 African-Americans who traced their DNA to Cameroon. Um, One of the things that was striking to me was that um, there was a a woman from Philadelphia that came with a picture of her great-grandmother whose line she would trace to find that she was from Cameroon. And and I started to notice that there's a trend. Everybody wants to bring the picture of the person who they're tracing their DNA so that they can figure out how that person, I, I guess spiritually, how that person feels about finally coming home through them. And I say this all the time, DNA has memory in my mind. DNA has memory. So mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, Africans that were enslaved, their wish was to see their homeland again. So here are their descendants going back home and putting their, their feet in the land that they came from. To me and to them, it's something that you cannot even describe. Um, we visited the port city of uh, Bimbia, and this one lady from Philadelphia, she put the picture of her great-grandmother in the water it, because it's, you know, it's the port city, so it's, by the, uh, it's in the, by the ocean. She put it in the water, and she said, um, there will be no more shame. Um, we are free. And that, to me, wow. was what it's all about. Wow. That's what it was all about. Right. That is what it's all about, and that's that's so powerful. And then the question is, why the shame? Right. Mm-hmm. What else right. did you observe of, of some of the people that, you know, that went on the, the visit? So this past time, um, we were there with um, uh a lady from uh, Chicago. Uh, we were in Cameroon. And um, we visited this ethnic group that is a bit difficult to find um, because they're in the far north of Cameroon uh, uh, on the border of Chad. And um, they actually are both in Chad and Cameroon. They uh, migrated from Sudan and the Nile. And uh, so this particular group, you know, the the men are tall, big, you know, because they drink a lot of milk. They're they're fishermen, but they they migrated from the Nile, kind of following the the, the water, and um, headed west um, as they were escaping, and and during the great migration of Darfur, and as they were escaping, and they say they they didn't want to be converted to Islam. So they escaped, and they wanted to remain who they were. Um, they were animus, and they wanted to remain that. And so um, so we're talking to them, and one of the elders in the community was telling us, yes, you know, he was giving us the history of the people and, and what they're like and this sort of thing, and he was drawing maps and stuff. And he said, we're always following water. We're always near the water because we, we need the water to survive. We're fishermen. We fish. And uh, we also, uh, uh, um, they raise cattle, and then they're also, you know, they, they grow things, so they're into agriculture. So they, they're very self, well uh, self-sustained. And she said to me later, she said, you know, I never knew why I was, um, I liked 
and always wanted to be by the water. I don't swim. I don't necessarily like to get in the water, but I've always felt like I needed to be by the water. And now I understand that my people also needed to be by the water. And that's what I've gotten from them. And my DNA is telling me that I'm looking, I should be near the water. I'm looking for water constantly. And so that was something that to me was powerful because that's what it's all about. I mean, people talk about going to Africa. I talk about reconnecting our families because that's what Mm -hmm. it's all about. Mm -hmm. Understanding who you are, you have to understand who they are. Well, I have a question for you, and and it relates to how much knowledge do the people in in your village even understand about the African slave trade? Not much, not much. And I tell you this: that Cameroon was in the dark about the slave trade for a long time. Because in their minds, they were thinking that it happened in other countries. Because Cameroon did not have a Gori Island. We did not have Bons Island. We didn't have anything that said that all those atrocities occurred on our shores. We didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until 2010 when we took a group to Cameroon and we we connected with uh, a professor Uh, several professors, one Cameroonian, one American, that researched Cameroon and the slave trade and found that we do have a port. And we actually went to the village where the the area was located, where where this kind of this uh, holding place was located. And the villagers were like, you're mistaken. We don't have anything like that here. And then we finally got to the elders who said, oh, wait a minute. We know that way back when our grandparents used to tell us not to go there because it was a bad place. Well, it was a bad place because that's where they kept the enslaved Africans, the enslaved people from that region waiting for the ships to come in. And it was hidden like you wouldn't believe. I mean, overgrown trees, overgrown. You know how bamboo uh, does when it is happy. It, it oh, yes. you know, it just, mm-hmm. it's, yes. So it was mostly bamboo, covered everything. And so since 2010, there have been teams um, uh, going to archaeologists with the support of the American embassy in, in Cameroon to dig up this, this place and find these structures that are now there with the the bricks from the early 1800s and, you know, and earlier. And so now Cameroonians are realizing, Oh my gosh, Bimbia, Bimbia, my goodness. So it's, it becomes, it became a big deal after the fact. I mean, you know, our trip, it, it was, it was uh, life-changing for Cameroon to know that this occurred on its shores. Um, oh. And so, I mean, oh. things like uh, chains were found. Uh, I mean, all sorts of paraphernalia was found. And so now they're, they're making sure that some of the stuff is preserved. They have fenced uh, the area because there was, you know, some issues. So, so now that Cameroon understands that it was also part of the narrative, on, on slavery, now they're now 
hoping that the, the college students understand what happened internally. They don't, they don't yet understand the other part, you know, what happened when they left. But at least now they're trying to deal with what may have happened internally. So, mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting because I remember somebody telling me that, you know, what you, all, what you have in the U.S. is not what you have in Africa. I think there's a huge disconnect between what we're learning in Africa and what, what they're teaching here. Um, but I think in, in, in a way, we're, we're, we're both, uh, both continents are being kept in the dark about truly what happened because it's not something that is readily available to most, most uh, students in the U.S. either. So, so somebody told me um, that for the first time ever, we have a lot of these uh, coach buses that go across the country. Um, yes. They played roots. They played roots after that 2010 trip that we had in Cameroon. People wanted to know. They wanted to know about the slave trade. They wanted to know what happened and how is it that they got Why didn't we know about it? And so they started playing roots. And then people started asking, wow, really? And now because of the Internet, you're getting information left, right, and center. So people are more educated, but they're not formally educated. And what I try to do is I do a Gullah trip every year. And the purpose of the Gullah trip really is to educate the African, the first-generation African, so that they can better understand the true history of the slave trade in regards to um, the South, the coastal uh, uh, areas uh, of the South, uh, North, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Because when they understand that, they have a different perspective on the American life and the African-American life. And Mm -hmm. last year, we were fortunate enough to take uh, one of the chiefs with us uh, from Cameroon, and he couldn't believe it. I mean, he went into the plantations, he went into the slave dwellings, and he he just said, no, this is not, this is not true. And we kept telling him, yes, it is, and showing him pictures. He said, no, no. And so when he finally got it, when he finally understood, and there was a, also a language barrier because he spoke French, and we were trying as best as we could to explain the atrocities to him. And when he finally got it, he just could not believe it. So now he's going to go back home and tell that story and tell those stories and tell that history. And that's what we hope to do is to make sure that we get our traditional leaders here because they're the ones that hold our culture in Africa. They're the ones that hold our tradition. They're the ones that are really the leaders of the community. People go to them before they go to any political leader. They don't go to the government. They go to the traditional leader because that's where all of the 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 uh, um, the fights are settled. That's where all the, the land is settled. Everything happens under the ruling of the traditional leader because everybody belongs to some village somewhere. Right. And, you know, just listening to you, it's it's just amazing how the information, I mean, how it was not known what happened. Yes. And right. for for them to discover, did you say 2010? Yes, 
2010. I mean, that's recent. Yes. (laughs) You know, there's a question. Why was this silenced? It was because they did not want to talk about it. And it was silenced because it was considered a bad place that nobody should go to. And one thing about Africans, we believe in our spirits and our um, and our beliefs. And and if somebody says don't go there because it's a bad place, people don't go. They just don't do it. And unfortunately, over the years, you know, because of the bamboo, you couldn't even tell. I mean, it took him three days to clear out that space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for us to be able to walk through it. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, there, there's two questions. One of it, it question is, could it be that the people being held were not of the same ethnic group in that particular place? So that's why they just told people, don't say anything, just keep it silent. Or is that kind of a myth? I, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they know. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people of the coast typically do not get, um, you know, enslaved in not large numbers as much as the ones on the interior. Um, I guess they use the ones on the coast to bring the ones from the interior. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at the Cameroonian map, it's in the southwest of Cameroon. So they could have taken them from anywhere, you know, Central Africa, Republic, uh, Congo, Gabon, Equatorial Guinea, anywhere. I know that um, the people, the Massa people who came from Sudan, they were fleeing all kinds of things. They were fleeing the Middle East slave trade. They were fleeing, you know, the Islamic movement. And then they started fleeing the transatlantic slave trade from the Nigeria side. Uh-huh. So who knows? They could have gone straight up Cameroon and gotten people from Chad and, and brought them down to the coast of, uh, of Cameroon. So, I, I, you know, I think that that's one of the things that they're still looking into, the research on, you know, right, who could have right. been. Who been. And, and the people that are, co- that are currently in that area, the Douala people, the fishermen, they were from uh, Congo. Mhm, mhm, so how and, did they uh, get there? yeah, how did they get there? How did you know, and one of the things i mean we we know about the transatlantic slave trade, you can even see where the ships came from and where they docked, and what yeah. have you, but you know this this disconnect, this information transfer i mean it just did not happen yet yeah. you have you have people of African uh ancestry testing their DNA and discovering, oh, my people were from this place and that place, which Mm -hmm. raises all kinds of questions. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back, and the phone line will be open for those who want to call in and make a comment or ask a question. So this is a very quick break, and we'll be right back.
back to research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This episode is sponsored by Write Books That Sell Now, the online course helping you write, publish, and market your story. Start your book journey with the totally free video training at writebooksthatsell.com backslash video training series. Well, you have been listening to Ada Idaho Brown share her perspective on DNA testing and even share more information with us. Ada, there's a comment in the chat room that basically says it's interesting what you're saying because African Americans are doing the same thing as what you explain the Cameroons are doing as far as trying to understand. And I think that's one of the things that we, when we talk about matching our DNA, what what recommendations would you have for someone, let's say like me, that would match an African? What should I be looking for? What questions should I ask? As well as what information should I give? Um, I think that if the African... Um went to the process, if they went to the process of taking the test, um, then they expect you to ask them any question because that's what, that's kind of what drove them to do that is to see, you know, if they have matches and if they have, um, you know, people that are out there that, that are family. Um, I, I would say that one of the questions that you should ask them was, uh, is, um, about the family. I mean, you know, how big is the family? Where is my family? Where can I go and find um, the leader, the, you know, the elder in the family? And and that's who you want to meet because that person oftentimes knows more information than anybody does. Um, I would recommend to anybody, if you are doing your DNA and you want to get answers, you can only get so much here when you find that link, go back home, go with them, find that family, and spend time with them, spend time with the elders. Get the information that you need for you, for closure, for, um, so, for peace. Um, finding out who you are is a difficult process, but knowing that there's a family out there that's ready to embrace you is, is um, something that you cannot put um, you cannot put money on. It's it, it's amazing. So, and Africans at this point, because of DNA, are finding that they want to know. They want to know that that person may be related to them. I mean, I know that whenever I do an event, and uh, let's say, you know, we'll have a group from, and their DNA is from, you know, I'm, I'm talking in specific Cameroonian, and their DNA is Dakar. Well, I get my my mother's people who don't consider themselves Tikar, but I bet if they took their DNA, they would notice that, you know, they're probably Tikar because that was a really prominent uh, ethnic group, and and they came also from Sudan. So, um, but you know, they always say, well, how come there's nobody from our place? We want some. We want we want to know that our people are also out there so that they can come back home. And so if you have a chance and you match with someone, 
I, I bet you anything that they're looking for you and want you to come home. Wow, that's that's wonderful to to even mm-hmm. have that feeling to know that someone is looking uh, for yeah. for me or for them or for us. Yeah. Now I have opened the phone line, so if anyone would like to call in with a question or a comment, the number is six four six. Two zero 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 four nine one and press one to speak to the host. Now you mentioned going home for peace and closure, but have you also um, observed people? I mean, I know getting your DNA, as you mentioned, it it created all kinds of emotions. And so what about, I mean, just the anxiety associated with with getting your your DNA? I mean, what is that all about? (laughs) Well, I think it took me, uh, I think it took me almost a year. (laughs) And then I got the test and it sat on my kitchen table for uh, maybe a month. I don't know. I, I, you know, I just don't know what the anxiety. I think it's just not knowing, and being afraid to know. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, okay, best case scenario, a hundred percent Cameroonian. Worst case scenario, hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, but <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. We have been programmed to kind of be we, we, programmed to be patriotic. We, you know, we support our country. We support the, you know, it's all about Cameroon. It's all about Cameroon. It's all about you know Central African Republic or South Sudan or Sudan or Chad. It's all about those countries. But what we forget is that those countries are not important. Like I said before, it's not important because your DNA does not lie. And if your DNA says you have Nigerian in you. You have to accept that, okay, I can't talk about Nigerians anymore. I just have to understand <laughs> that I'm now Niger- also Nigerian. I can't, you know, I can't say anything bad about Ivorians or Ghanaians or, you know, Benin and Togo. I just have to embrace it. And I think that's part of what, you know, my anxiety was. is like, you know, what if I find out I'm from somewhere I don't want to be from? But, uh-huh. you know, it is what mm-hmm. it is. It is what it uh-huh. is because it's not about the borders. It's about the people. Well, now that's interesting. It's not mm-hmm. about the borders. It's about the people. Right. Can you say a little bit more about that? So I'm Bamileke. Uh-huh. My cousins are the Igbos. Every time somebody looks at me, they look at my head, they say, you're Igbo. I've just come to now accept that, you know what, my people are also the Igbos. I'm Bamileke, mm-hmm. I'm Igbo, I'm Ga, I'm whatever, whatever my, my people, the, the people that left Egypt, the Hebrews that traveled from east to west, that's who I am. And I just, I just accept it. Um, and like I said before, the country, it doesn't matter what country you're in, it's the ethnic group. If we all travel from Egypt, there's no way that we weren't kin, as you all say, 
We were all kin. We were all family. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We travel from the I, yes. same place. There's no way. So just accept the fact that you are all kind of related to each other. Sudan, huge country. I mean, I don't know if it's the biggest, maybe the second biggest, largest country in Africa. How many people left Sudan and migrated elsewhere, had, were forced to migrate elsewhere? So that means from the east to the west, you will find that Sudan has an influence in every single country. If you look at Senegalese, who are they really? They're nothing but Sudanese. They look just the same. In Nigeria, there is a competition, a wrestling competition, that also is in Sudan and in North Cameroon. There's so many things. The Gambia. What is the Gambia but Sudan, uh, Senegal? And what is Senegal but Sudan? I mean, the people are the same. Chad. Chad. The people of Chad are nothing but the people of Sudan. Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. And then you go to Ivory Coast, Ghana, Togo, Benin. And then you talk about the Hebrew who came before. So we're all, we're, I mean, we're so intertwined in each other's lives. There's no way you could say that I'm from Burkina, Burkina Faso and and whatever happens in Benin is not my, my issue. Well, your people are there too. Togo cannot say that they disavow Benin. Mm-hmm. These little strips mm-hmm. of land don't mean anything. The people in the land are the same. In Benin, they speak the same language they do in Togo and in Nigeria and in Ghana and in Ivory Coast. Liberians, that's a different bird. Okay. Well, now, I I need to to ask you some of these questions that are popping out of the chat room. And and for for the chatters, I'm sorry, I'm going to start from the bottom up rather than from the top down because that's how I'm seeing the question. Uh, there's a question. Did this DNA test influence your perceptions of African Americans, Caribbean population, and other people of the Af- African diaspora? Um, no, it did not. Um, I say that very uh, clearly because I am partial to the people that left the continent because they took the best of us, the strongest of us, the most resilient of us, and left the ones that were more needy and in some instances killed our, our leaders. So I, I don't feel different. I'm in awe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there's another question, and it's talking about the, the seekers. I mean, those people that have tested, and do you oh, – I'm trying to, to to get this question in such a way that I can ask it. Uh, you have new families. I mean, you people have tested their DNA, and you see the relatives on there. How do you welcome those relatives and then how do they welcome you into the family? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like you know. Uh, I, I don't mean to put my business out there, but you know, African Africans. Um, we find out about relatives that, I mean, I, I guess it's the same here. I mean, sometimes we find out about relatives that we've never known before and in, mm-hmm. in very, very strange ways. So um, I guess it's, it's kind of like dealing with that. Um, I'm going to take it slowly and, and hope that they're receptive. Um, my fear is that they don't want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wonder how how true that fear is, or it's just your fear that they don't want to have anything to do with you. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm still uh, you know I'm 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 still trying to get it together, and and trying to be optimistic. Um, but the first person, uh, like I said, I sent two messages. Only one person responded, and I don't think she understood. So the mm-hmm. second person hasn't responded. So I'm just curious. Maybe they don't, I don't know, maybe they don't want to know. Maybe they don't care. I mean, because there are a lot of people that come to me and say, you know, um, you know, we don't like Africans. <laughs> you know, so I, yes. I, I'm just, I'm just hoping for the best. And, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe well, be, there's a comment no coming idea. out of the chat. There's a comment coming out of the chat that's saying that is our fear too, as an African-American. Uh, that the Africans may not want to have anything to do with them. Right. So, you and know, I, and it, I understand. It's, yeah, it's bridging that gap and and coming right. back together again, which is which is so right. important uh for all of right. us. Yeah. Right. And we have to stop letting people talk uh speak for us. We have to stop letting people in between our affairs because when you're when you're in the continent, there's nobody that separates the family. We are truly a family, no matter what. And mm-hmm. I feel like we are still a family, but a lot of our family members are overseas. So if we look at it in terms of our family, our family being our family being our family, then there's nothing that can stand in between us. Right, right. And, you know, I was looking, there There was a comment about, you know, there's there are no rules. Or what are the rules for Africans who find they have an an American line? You know, are there any rules right now? Or are we still in that seeking stage of trying to make sense out of our connections through DNA? So, did you say Africans who have American what? What was it? The the question, what are the rules for Africans who find that they have an American line? Oh. An an American family. Family. I mean, I can Mm -hmm. only speak for myself. I don't know what anybody else, but I I can tell you that, um, like I said before, if an African goes through the process of finding out their DNA, they are not going to be um they are not going to shun their family when they find out that they have relatives because mm-hmm. we are very family oriented and we mm-hmm. take pride in the fact that we family 
stick to, we do everything together. I mean, I married an American, and I think the first thing that his family was thinking about was, oh, my God, this African woman is going to bring her whole family into our house. Mm-hmm. But it's okay because I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> I did, but it was okay because they understand that it's all about family. If you don't have family, you don't have, I mean, it's it's more precious than gold. Mm-hmm. So but one of the things you the started question, off, yes, go ahead. To answer the question, they are not going to put their DNA out there and expect somebody to reply in in a way that connects them to to that person if they don't um, expect to be uh, um, welcoming. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, I mean, we're all smiling. There's smiley faces jumping up and down. <laughs> In the chat room, uh, uh, because someone else has mentioned that she has a full house of Yorubas right now, and uh, oh. so I mean it's family. <laughs> yes, it's, it's family. But you know, when you when you first started talking about matching someone, you have a DNA cousin, and that person responded to you. And the first thing the person asked you was for your family tree. And right. you kind of looked at that, well, is that foreign to you to ask for a family tree? Or was it your thought that, wait a minute, will my family tree really help them? Well, it's it's foreign for me to do a family tree because, I mean, we don't do family. We just know that, you know, so-and-so is related to so-and-so. So-and-so is oh, the father maybe. So and so, you know. So for us, it's all verbal. Um, so that's why I said that I should probably make it official and write it down for my mm-hmm. kids, because you know, who knows? Who knows? The people that know the information may be gone by the time I figure out that I need the information. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I think you know, doing the family tree is a great idea. I don't know many families, African families, that do it. But perhaps they should do it because we just take it for granted that we're always going to know. But you never know, right? Mhm, mhm. And, and so, and in so our everything society, is all oral. Everything is yes. all oral, and we spend a lot of time taking, trying to, you know, construct this family tree based on exactly. documents and records and and oral mm-hmm. history and all other information. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're saying your paper trail. Does not exist. No, does not exist. Mhm. I mean, so I that's something for us to what, understand. Right. I can't. I couldn't even tell you when my father was born, because he was in the military. He had a different birthday than the military day. I don't know if you all do that here, but it's so different. My mother, I have no idea. To go find that information. Oh, good luck. So I have to get it before, you know, before I cannot get it anymore. So yeah. it's a little bit more difficult. But it's it's okay. important because we need to know and we need to keep tabs of it because, you know, I find a, a cousin that wants to know. I can't just say, I don't know. I have to be able to say, okay, all right, this is the line. 
Right. That's what I have to and, be able and, to say. Right. And and it's something that all of us are dealing with. I mean, you you understand yeah. that. We're right. all we're right. all trying to 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 pull this together and and for some of us, we are the elder in our family. Right. Because yeah, right. our parents are gone, you know, there's there's nobody right. else. Uh so right. uh we just have to to Pull it together. Now, there's a question coming out of the chat. Is there a census undertaking in some of the African countries? Not that I know of. Okay, and so, and the, the next is, why does the paper trail not exist? Um, so you have to look at it in terms of the remoteness of some of the villages. Um, so during the slave trade and after, during colonization, there were a lot of people that were displaced, fleeing all of that. And so my particular group of people fled into the mountains, hoping that they would not be noticed. And so you have a lot of villages that are like that in remote places, really remote. I mean, we call our roads no roads because they are so bad that if you took, a, you know, as, as you guys call these luxury SUVs, you would probably end up with half an SUV when you came back. So because of the remoteness and the, because of the fact that a lot of these babies were born in the home, there's no record. I mean, you know, somebody mm-hmm. might remember, okay, well, maybe I wrote it down in some paper somewhere. And did you write it down in English or did you write it in your traditional language? So it's all of that. I mean, do we really have pen and paper um, to to do all of that and keep it around? I don't know. All I know mm-hmm. is that it's very difficult. In most villages, it's very difficult to get that information, especially before um, before independence. You know, a lot of these countries yes. got their independence in the 60s. You know, Ghana mm-hmm. was fortunate in, in the 50s, but, you know, um, some of these countries, I mean, okay, you're getting your independence, but you're still under the the British rule or the French rule or Portuguese or, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's not like here where everything has to be recorded. Even the Quakers recorded it on paper and wow. and it was scanned and whatever. So you'd have well, to, I mean, look, wait, wait, let me just, let me just say something. Go ahead. Think of, if you've never been on the continent, think of a country like Cameroon, which is the size of California, you know, approximately. Think of California. Every nook and cranny of California has a village, and that village has different, different language, different customs, different culture. Even though they're kind of the same people, from east to west to north, well, not north, but east to west, southwest, northwest. Um, they're kind of the same people, Bamlike, Tikar, whatever. But there's so many different villages, over 250 groups, right, in Cameroon. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. same with Nigeria. So it is a logistical nightmare trying to figure out how to group that kind of stuff. So what they rely on is the traditional leaders. 
they're the ones that enforce the laws within their village. They're the ones that, you know, go and celebrate the birth and the death. They're the ones that advocate for roads in their community. They're the ones that, you know, um, anything goes wrong, they go to them. That's why it's, you know, it's one of those positions where you can't get out of it. Once you're in it, you're in it, and your family's in it as well. And um, you just hope that, you know, you you make it through without losing your mind because you have to coordinate so many different things. Um, you're more than you're more than a president. You're a spiritual advisor. You're a traditional leader. You're you're the head of the family. You're the person, the go-to person. Um, and so within that context, it's all that other stuff that goes on: the birth, the death, and all of that. Uh, I'm sure there's some census stuff that goes on, like how many people in this, you know, village. But, I mean, who can really tell? There's some villages you can't even get a car to. There's some villages. Um, we have a, a famous doctor who, who won the 2013 uh, CNN Heroes Award. Brilliant guy. Every weekend he goes to different villages and, and gives free medical care with his team. He went to this one village. It took him almost 24 hours to get there to this one village because there were no roads and he didn't realize that he couldn't go further until he couldn't go further and the car literally died. Um, but And then he got there and the people were still wearing no clothes, no shoes. Everybody was naked and it was so remote. He, he's never seen anything like it and that's on the border of Nigeria. So we mm-hmm. still have all of that going on on the continent, in every country. We have a lot to learn, don't we? Yeah. We have so much to learn. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. Thank you. And you thank have you. It's just, been my pleasure. You have provided us with, with insight. You certainly have encouraged us to reach out to the the DNA matches that we have that are from Africa. And yeah. I just wanted to tell you, keep, keep educating, keep talking, and also let people know how they can reach you. Sure. Um, I, I'm so thrilled to be on this call today. It, it, uh, it helped me um, kind of see uh, a lot of different perspectives and, on what I've been doing. And for years I've thought that, you know, if you just do your DNA, the results will come in and then boom, 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 you can do this, you can do that. But I failed to realize sort of the emotional aspect of it, knowing, mm-hmm. finding out, and also dealing with that. So I appreciate being on this call because it helped me, you know, understand the, you know, your perspective. And, uh, you know, we do so many wonderful things. I wish that everybody would take part in it. Um, you can find me at www.rootstoglory.com. Um, you know, my Facebook page is, is also Roots to Glory. I'm on Twitter. I'm on um, Instagram. Um, but, you know, most importantly, you can send me a message if you like. Uh, give me a call. All my numbers and all of the contacts are on the website you know, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you, love to talk to you about, you know, what we're doing. And, and uh, if you have an issue with trying to reach somebody that um, that you match that is an African, 
Um, maybe you're matching with me, <laughs> uh, but if you have somebody that you match and you want to talk to, but you're not sure what to say, you know, reach out to me. You know, maybe I can help you uh, with that respect. Um, you know, it's funny because I I think that I I don't have an accent, but people think I have an accent. People don't think I'm African. You know, so sometimes it works to a dis. It's a disadvantage for me when I'm trying to talk to Africans. They think I'm American, and they're like, "Well, you don't understand what we're talking about." I'm like, "Yes, I do understand." But anyway, so but uh, yeah, so please reach out to me uh, if you can. You know, send me a message. I would love to hear from you. And we're doing so many wonderful things this summer. We have the Gullah Geechee tour. We have a tour to Benin. We have a tour to Cameroon. Next year we're going to Ghana and and Senegal and all these beautiful places. So we'd love to have you join us. Well, thank you so very much. I, I'm hoping one day that I'll be able to also join you. So thank okay. you so much, Ada, for joining us. And please remember, everyone, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and beyond and the AfroGenius.com Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji. Now, some of you may wonder, can you listen to this episode again? Absolutely. This show becomes a podcast as soon as we hang up. And so it is available for you to go back and listen to it. And also remember, this episode is sponsored by the Write Books That Sell Now, the online course helping you write, Publish and market your story. Start your book journey with a totally free video training at writebooksthatsellnow.com backslash video training series. And also, this show is sponsored by your host, Bernice's BB's Genealogy and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.geniebroots.com. I look forward to you all joining me next Thursday. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Ada. Good night. <laughs>